Comment. Hey guys. It's just a fight. Hey, what's going on, guys? Here at the swamp, getting ready to beat LSU. Y'all tune in to Rule Number One podcast on Monday. And we are back, episode 19. Partner, we had a good good last week episode. We were outside, different little venue. We are at the Sunshine uh, Music and Barbecue Festival. It was a great time. Oh, yeah, man. We had a blast. We got to catch up with our old college baseball coach, Jeff Sykes. One heck of a dude. Absolutely. I mean, and uh, I really liked one of the things about his episode is whenever we ask him for advice um, to, for two 23-year-old guys, he said, uh, look up Proverbs 31. and yeah. talks about, like, you know, what you look for in a wife and, you know, a godly wife. And I was like, dang, I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but I need to go back and read it and be like, maybe that's what I need to look for. I have a bad <laughs> tendency to go towards toxic women. I, I did. <laughs> I did actually go back and read it after he mentioned it. And it did have a lot of good things where I was like, you know, I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, hey, there's two things you need to work on here if you want to get married. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a good guest. Um, he had a lot of, you know, intuitive thoughts and really good responses to our questions and i think tonight's guest is going to have the same kind of deal with us tonight we have mr dylan willis you want to give the background on our guy yeah dylan uh dylan is a real estate agent uh over in orlando and uh he also has a side business so he's an entrepreneur as well welcome in dylan Yes, sir. How y'all doing? Good, man. Good. Yeah, so a little bit about Dylan. He's uh, he's originally from uh, Frostproof, Florida, right down the road from us. Um, and uh, he went to uh, a couple different places, moved around a little bit, ended up in Orlando. Do you want to talk about kind of how you're, the process of you get into Orlando? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I did grow up in Frostproof. I graduated in 2012. Um, and then once I graduated, I kind of took a year off. Once I took that year off, I uh, kind of found myself like in and out of some trouble. And so I felt like I really just needed to kind of get out and get a fresh start. So I went to a small like NAIA school uh, right outside of Columbus, Ohio for a year. Um, worked out for a little bit and then found myself into some more trouble. Um, you know, it is what it is. Like you're young. I'm 19. Yeah. Didn't really know. Mm-hmm. I didn't go there with like a goal in mind. You know, I just kind of went to, to get away. Met a lot of cool people. Um, once I got kicked out, I went to, uh, that's when I moved to Orlando and went to UCF for a year. Um, same scenario, really, kind of just partying too much. Uh, girls in and out of trouble. Um, working, like, dead-end restaurant jobs at the time. And then my uh, mom actually passed away from breast cancer mm-hmm. in 2015. And so once that happened, I moved back home. Um, and was living in Winter Haven at the time with my dad, just to kind of, number one, he needed help, and number two, like, I needed another fresh start, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I moved back, I chose to, at the time, I was going to stay here um, and just kind of find a job, see what I can make work, and and then I got some thoughts in my head, like, you should go back to Orlando. And so I was like, I don't know, like, I'm probably just going to get in trouble again or do the same things again. Uh, So it took me a while, and I kind of wrestled with that for a little bit. And then I got an offer to, like, go work for Perfect Game, which is how I met you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did that for a summer, and that kind of opened my eyes to, like, entrepreneurship in a way. Um, You can kind of, like, do your own thing if you want to, do whatever you want to do, and still make money um, and make a living. But I knew that longevity-wise, that wasn't going to be, like, my track. Um, And I did move back to Orlando then after that summer, um, and then kind of just started working dead end jobs and restaurants and whatnot just to kind of get on my feet. But that's kind of a little bit about how I moved around. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to go back to the start of that. You said that you took a year off, you know, I really respect that because, you know, as a high school athlete coming out, um, you just like, you're always pushed to go straight to your college, go do, you know, yeah. you never have the, you know, you never hear the stories of a, you know, not non-traditional, you know, you, I like that because if you're an athlete and, you know, you got overlooked your senior year, it's okay, man. Like you have time to, you know, get better, get stronger. There's programs out there, you know, that offer that kind of stuff, developmental programs and stuff like that. But it's really cool. You know, we have a guest that had to take a year off. I mean, and you bounced back. You went and became an athlete. You know, you got in trouble. It kind of sounds like my story too. I, uh, I grew up in a small town of about 2,000. Um, we have one red light. We have one McDonald's. That's it. Like, Did you play sports up there? Yeah, I played basketball. Oh, actually. you did? Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that. And uh, it's, you know, I, I 
got in trouble too, man. Like I, I went from the small town to a big city down in South Florida, Naples, a lot of money down there, a lot of things yeah. to do. And you know, I wasn't the smartest. I was chasing girls. I was partying too. And I mentioned last week I failed a drug test. So like you have to, it's life throws you tribulation to trials, but you know, you have seen to land on your feet every single time, man. And I'm, that's really awesome. That's why we're on. That's why you're on with us today to get that story. Yeah, to kind of go back to what Brian was saying about taking like a year off. Actually, I knew this girl, you know, we were talking a little bit in high school, you know, flirting around. I mean, 16-year-old, 17-year-old stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so we were talking. I was like, you know, like, where do you want to go to college? And she's like, you know, I want to do a lot of different things. Like, I want to go to these big universities. But she's like, I have this opportunity. That my mom's a teacher, and there are certain colleges that if they're a professor or a teacher, they can go there for free. Yeah. And one of these colleges was uh, Hawaii Pacific. Man. And, uh, and so it was, I believe it was a D2 school in Hawaii. And she could go there for free. Obviously, the cost of living and everything was expensive. But she went over there for, I think it was a year or two years to go cheer there. And she said, like, it was an absolute blast. But it's kind of cool where, you know, people can either take a year off and go do something or they can be like, you know what, I'm going to just go to this college knowing I'm probably not going to stay there for four years and be like, I want to go have one yeah. heck of an experience. But... Yeah, we've met a lot of guys that have done that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've mentioned you went to a small NAI school, right? Mm -hmm. And then you went to UCF. How was that kind of like transition from, you know, small college knit to a big time university where they really don't care about you as an individual? Yeah, it was a lot, dude, honestly. I mean, I moved there with two of my best friends. So that helps a lot, of course. But first time in a big city, like obviously I said, you know, I grew up in Frostproof. So very small town, just yeah. like you. Um, and then that town was probably about the same size where I went to school in Ohio. So when I went to Orlando, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, and I went there for all the wrong reasons. Like, <laughs> you know, like looking back, I mean, I went there for the same reasons because I wanted to be able to, you know, I went to a Christian school in Ohio. And so I got kicked out for doing certain things that like you're not allowed to do. But I knew if I went to UCF, I could do whatever I want and nobody was going to have anything to say to me. With that being said, I did learn a lot in regards to like what's out there, right? Because growing up in Frostproof or being in a small town my first year, I had no idea how fast things really move. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really fast. And I think that's where I struggled and probably what led to that specific failure that first year there. Um, but I also, to my own defense, was going through a lot of things like with my mom yeah. and family. And so, you know, I was looking for anything to keep my mind off of that at the time. Uh, it's a huge transition, though, for sure, because it's so fast. Yeah, you uh, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, your culinary background, being a waiter and working in restaurants that were dead end. I kind of chuckled at that because I know your story. Yeah. Dylan worked at some very high-end restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They weren't necessarily dead ends. Like, yeah. I'm sure you were making pretty good money there. Do you want to talk a little bit? Like, where did you work, Lynn? Like, what, what yeah. were some of those nice restaurants? So my first job when I moved to Orlando, I took a job, um, started as like a dishwasher. I mean, that's kind of how it goes in that industry. It's like with any other industry, you start, start at the, the bottom. bottom. So I started as a dishwasher on Park Avenue in Winter Park, which is a very prestigious area. Yeah. Um, I mean... So there were people in there like Carrot Top, like the old comedian, <laughs> mm -hmm. all, like all kinds of people, dude. Um, I mean, I can't think off the top of my head everyone that was there. but And you also just see like top executives, right? Successful entrepreneurs, successful businessmen. And that was really when I say earlier, like what opened my eyes was that job. Because I was like, how do I get on the other side of that where I'm sitting down yeah. out there enjoying myself on a Friday night versus being back here like – you know, busting my ass washing dishes for eight hours. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of fun, dude. And then I went from there to a restaurant called Del Frisco's Double Eagle. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, which is extremely prestigious. Um, like, it started in Manhattan. Uh, there's, like, one in Boston. There's a few others also. But it was brand new, so I was there, like, for the opening. Uh, and you're talking, you know, like, $30, $40, $50 steaks. Uh, I think looking back, the cheapest thing on the menu was like a side of onion rings for like $14. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, like very, very, very high end. Um, and that I hated it to be honest with you. I didn't enjoy those jobs, but it is what opened my eyes to see like, okay, like I said, I want to be on the other side of that. I don't want to wait on you. I want eventually to be the person being waited on. Right. Yeah. 
So. It was kind of like a motivational, you know, 100%. like, yeah, like deep down. Yeah, yeah. I get that a hundred percent because, you know, we work, you know, our harder jobs now. We're not at the top of, you know, wherever we work, both of us were, you know, intro. We just started out right. and that's, that's cool because, you know, I, I have those same feelings too sometimes where I'm like, you know, I, man, I want to be the boss man of my own thing one day. Like, I don't want to be told what to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've always been told if you're your own boss, you'll be happy. Right. But, um. That's really cool because, you know, you mentioned Caratop. Was there any other, like, you know, high-end names that came in? Yeah, not there at that specific place. But eventually, um, so I had moved back home when my mom passed in 2015 for, like, a year or two. And then when I moved back to Orlando, I worked at uh, Wolfgang Puck at Disney. And Wolfgang Puck's, like, a super, like, celebrity chef. Kind of like, you know, Gordon Ramsay, super Mm -hmm. well-known. And I did have the opportunity to serve uh, James Harden there. That was probably... Probably the biggest one, like, for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And to be honest, I mean, he was a pretty cool dude. Like, people look at James Harden like anyone that follows basketball, and he comes off as kind of cocky or just kind of a jerk. But he was really – he was with his wife, um, and it was just him and her. And he was extremely friendly, super grateful. You know, obviously we gave him a little extra attention yeah. because it's James Harden. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not just like your average family on vacation at Disney. But that was a lot of fun. And then I did have the opportunity to serve Marlon Wayans, too, which okay. has been in yeah. you know all kinds of movies, like big-time comedian. And, and he was hilarious. Like <laughs> He actually had like a film crew there, uh, just like one other guy who was kind of just like filming him for his own content, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of puts you on the spot because you're like, am I going to be in this content? And at the time, <laughs> I'm like, you know, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of nerve-wracking. But he was really cool, too. Super funny in person, too. Just, like, extremely out there, like, laid back. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah. I uh, I feel like that's so cool. Like, the food industry always has, like, interests me. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody goes into restaurants and they sit down and they eat their dinner. But, right. like, I feel like there's so many different stories from actually, like, in the kitchen. Like, I feel like anybody oh, that's yeah. worked in the food industry have says, like, oh, the kitchen's completely different. How is it, like, different than what it's perceived on the outside? You, it's so much faster, right? Like, obviously, if you're going to sit down at dinner, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're kind of relaxed. You ex- especially in these places. Like, these aren't the places where you get in and get out in an hour. Right. Like, you're there for, you a should be there experience. for at least two hours. Yeah. It's a whole experience. Mm-hmm. It's a whole three, four, five courses. You don't get rushed out by your waiter. It's, you know, as a waiter, you might only have three or four tables at night. But, it's like, you're still going to make really good money because of the, the ticket number, yeah, right? Yeah, right. But in the kitchen... It's so fast-paced, dude. Like, if you could envision, like, an assembly line almost mm-hmm. um, and screaming and yelling, like, yeah, a I was lot about of screaming and yelling, a lot of stress, very mm. chaotic. Um, I mean, I've seen people just absolutely lose it and walk off. But if you do that, then it really affects everyone else. It's like a sport, right? It's a really big, like, team atmosphere mm-hmm. because everybody has their responsibility and has to do their job to create that experience for whoever you're waiting on. So whether you're in the kitchen or you're a waiter, you're really counting on everyone else. Mm. Because if the kitchen doesn't do their job or somebody, you know, makes something wrong, then, like, you look bad up front. But if you look bad up front because you're slow, then you're slowing the kitchen down. If they're waiting on you to come grab food, the food might die is what they would say in the kitchen. So especially when I was at Wolfgang Puck, that was hard because – you know, everybody's expecting this amazing, like, celebrity chef experience. Mm-hmm. And so the food has to be perfect. Right. And a lot of times it's not. And when you're at Disney, you're dealing with a lot of tourists, and, and they have really high expectations. But extremely fast-paced. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun, for sure. Did you, did you like, you know, I've had a couple people tell me they love working at Disney, and I've had a people couple tell me they hated working at Disney because okay, they yeah. said they take it takes the magic out of things. Like when oh, you go to does. when you go to Disney as a kid, you see all these you know these princesses just pop up and stuff. Well, I had a couple friends at my old school at Ave that you know went into the Imagineers program and stuff at Ave or excuse me at Disney, and they were talking how you know I hate it. 
like, I mean, I love what I do, but I hate it because, you know, I grew up loving all this. I now know all the secrets to the magic. It's just, I, I wanted to get your expect. Like, did you like working for Disney? I, I did, honestly, actually. I really did enjoy it. I met a lot of really cool people, obviously. Um, and it was a, a lot different than in some of the other high-end restaurants that I worked because it was Disney. So you're not only living up to Wolfgang Puck's expectations, but also Disney. Yeah. And it does take some of the magic out of it. Because, you know, we obviously would get, like, free passes or whatever. So I would go to Disney a lot. And it's like, okay, it's just Disney because I'm here every day. Yeah. Right? So it does take a lot out of it. But they do a really good job, or at least did when I was there, in making you feel like you're actually really a part of that um, and making it feel like a family. And, and it doesn't take the magic away. Like, they try and keep that for their employees, too. So yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. So with um, you mentioned a little bit about having, you know, the guest having such high expectations. Did you have to deal with a lot of Karens? Like whenever you're waiting tables? <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. All the time. How do you, how do you like handle that? Dude, you just got to like be patient, right? You got to understand, especially at Disney. It's a little bit different than mm-hmm. the other ones. But if you're at Disney, like some of these people might've been saving up for this trip for years. Yeah. Right. I mean, the average for an average family of five for a week at Disney, if you're staying in their hotels and such, it's like 10 grand. And this was six years ago. Yeah. So who knows how much it is now? Yeah. More for Probably, sure. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. It's yeah. definitely not less or equal. Mm. And so you have to understand this might be the only time that these kids go to Disney and they literally dream about it. Like we all remember like being yeah. young kids, everybody yeah. wants to go to Disney. It's the buzz like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> li- yeah. Yeah. No, that's probably one of my favorites for sure. And so you have to try and create that experience. So if something's going wrong with the food or if they're waiting on a drink for a while, if you can know how to, like, entertain somebody or make them laugh, like, even one short, small laugh, a lot of that goes away. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I use because, you know, I'm a pretty funny guy and I can <laughs> yeah. and I can be loose and have fun. And so I would use that to my advantage, crack a joke or whatever. That'll buy you five or ten more minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you can kind of make up for whatever mistake you might have made or try and help someone else who made a mistake that's affecting you just so that you can – Continue to create that experience for them. Right. I, I think it's cool how you said, you know, making a joke here and there. It's going to, you know, make them feel better and stuff. You know, me and Nate, I think it was a couple episodes we were talking about how, you know, by just being nice to people, how how far it will go and you have no idea. Like, you might tell somebody to have a great day who's probably had the worst day of their life and you not know it, mm-hmm. but it might help them, you know, snap back right to where they were. It's just, yeah, for it, sure. it's so nice to see that other people have that perspective too. Yeah, I'm a big person on whenever I am in a restaurant, like, uh, (laughs) I will kind of wrap my mom out a little bit. My mom is very much of, um, whenever we go out to dinner, she's like, oh, no, it's taking too long. Like, I got, I got to go get the waiter. She got, she can be caring a little bit. And, uh, and I'm a big person like, no, it's all right. Like, they'll come to us. And no matter what, I'm going to tip 20%. And if like, they're a good waiter or waitress, I'm going to tip more. It's like bottom line. That's my 20. And so it's like, I'm a big person on like, you know. I don't know what they're going through. And so, like, you know, you could be having a bad day. You could be having to go step outside, talk to your, you know, husband or whatever because your child's in the hospital or something. Like, I don't know. So, I'm, like, I'm not going to be that guy. Like, if it takes too long, then it's like, okay. You know, I'd really appreciate it if you brought my box after the third time I asked you. But I'm still going <laughs> to ask you a nice time. But, yeah. You know what I mean? But, I like, I'm never going to be that guy that's, you know, goes back and uh, tracks down the waiter or waitress and be like, hey, yeah, I, I need my check. I can't yeah, stand you that. you never know what's going on, dude. Yeah. Like, I've seen it, you know. She might, it might be a girl and she's, like, busting it, trying, single mom or whatever. Right. Like, second job. She's been, work, worked another restaurant job starting at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden it's 10 o'clock at night. Like, you're bound to make some mistakes, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't keep the mental capacity that long. Yeah, you're a human. I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, speaking of bad days, did you have any, like, you have any wild stories from, like, your culinary experiences? I think more so, yeah, like, when I was a waiter, like, the first waiting job that I took was at Del Frisco's, like I said, and I opened the place. Like, it was our, it was, like, our opening night. Yeah. And it's, like, you, it's not even open to the public. It's, like, friends and family. Ah, okay. So, you have, like, all your friends, all your family. You're making a ton of mistakes. And so... I had a friend of mine, and he was, like, obviously just, like, messing around. Yeah. But, like, just giving me a hard time or whatever. And I'm like, dude, like, I have no idea what's going on in here. Like, <laughs> like this is, like, the first night. Like, I have no idea what's going on. But I don't really have any 
stories that I can think of where it was like so bad that I wasn't able to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where to me, like it was, they were very small problems because you got to think at the time I had just come off of like my mom passed. And so like everything was a small problem compared to that, you know? So I was like, Oh, you're, you're upset about your food. Like I can, I can fix that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, very minute and easy to fix for sure. So I never seemed to like get rattled or startled and, I guess maybe I, I did maybe have stories like that, but I probably never took it to heart too much, and that's probably why I don't remember. Right. You know? I love it. You're just rolling with the punches. Um, yeah. I know uh, you you were working at the Hyatt um, Hotel there for a little bit in one of their high-end restaurants um, when COVID hit. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I went from Disney to this job. I was at Disney for about two years, and I left, honestly, dude, because I was going through, like, a lot. I had gotten into some more trouble. I was, you know, selling a lot of weed. I was, you know, I got my license suspended. I didn't even have a car at the time. Dang. I literally was driving home from Lakeland, actually, to Orlando and got pulled over on I-4 one day. And the cop was like, I, you know, I have a warrant to take your license plate because you, like, haven't, you know, your license is suspended. You haven't paid any tolls. You know, you have, Man. like, four red light tickets and so he literally just took my license plate. Like, just screwed it off? Yeah. What? For real. I mean, like, I'm the only person I know of that that's ever happened to. I've never heard that. I've never yeah. heard that before. No lie. And so, so like, you didn't get arrested or anything, did you? No. There wasn't a warrant for my arrest. Hmm. But he gave me a ticket for it. And so I'm sitting there on I-4 with no license plate. And I had to work at Disney that night. And I had no way to get there. And so I drove my car in the middle of the day with no license plate from Lakeland back to Orlando. And I asked him, I was like, what's going to happen if I get pulled over again? He's like, well, you'll probably go to jail then. And I was like, okay, well, like, I didn't have a choice, dude. So I drove home, and then I used one of my friend's cars, my roommate's cars, to go work at Disney, and I quit that night. Because I was like, this just isn't going to work out. Mm Because I knew I was going to be without a car for a while. Yeah. And then I took the job at the Hyatt kind of around the time. So that was in, like, October, November. And then I worked, like, part-time at a bowling alley, like, serving at a bowling alley. And you've done all these different Dude, things. yeah, I've been yeah. All, all over the place. Like, <laughs> and that's where I met my girlfriend, actually. Um, and she's a little bit older than me. And so I was like, okay, I got to figure something out because if I don't, like, she's going to leave my ass. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, she's not going to stay with me, like, if I'm serving at a bowling alley, bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, who would? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got this job at the Hyatt on iDrive, which is, like, huge hotel. Like, 1,200 rooms. It's connected to, like, the Orange County Convention Center. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's huge. And so I was there from, like, January 1st. This is 2020. Yeah. Until, like, March 7th, 2020. So I walked into work one day in March, on March 7th. Like, I'll never forget this day because it was probably, like, the biggest turning point for me. And I work my shift. Like, everything's normal. And then they kind of call everybody into a back room after and it was like we're closing mandatory for six months because of COVID. Oh man! So you had no idea, and so yeah. obviously I was like, "Oh shit! Like, what am I gonna do?" Yeah, I have no idea what to do, and so. And then on top of that, you just got hit with the news that the world's going into a pandemic. Right. And at the time, you have you. I mean, nobody knew actually what COVID was. Oh, I yeah. Th- I mean, I was like, I wasn't worried about that at all at the time. Yeah. And yeah. then once I got that news, I was like, oh, this is a real deal. Like, yeah. Like a lot of things are about to change, so I better adapt and change with them, mm-hmm. or else I'm just going to be out of work for who knows how long. And I had a good friend of mine in Tampa who was who was a real estate agent. And he was really successful and had a lot of success within his first, like, two years. So I called him. And I was like, hey, when can I come over there, like, and see you? Like, I just want to catch up, really. Right. And so it was like, yeah, you know, I'm really busy. I'll probably be riding around working all day. And I was like, perfect, cool. I want, you know, that's fine. So I rode around with him. and He's talking to me about real estate. And he was a kid that, like, I partied with, had a lot of fun with or whatever. And I was like, dude, if you can do it, like, I can do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so that was a huge turning point, and I used like the COVID layoff time to kind of get my license and, and figure out what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and that was a, uh, you know, I'm very like COVID was like the best thing that happened to me, dude. I see, <laughs> you know, you mentioned that, and there's a lot of people out there, you know, who say that. Like, there's people that say, you know, COVID was the worst thing that ever happened to this country. But if you talk to different people with different perspectives, it was like, you know, COVID gave me a year and a half to figure it out. Like right. everything mm-hmm. shut down. But it gave me time, you know, I need to, I need to change. I need to do something different. And that's so awesome, you know, that it affected you that way because, you know, for me, COVID, 
it ruined it shortened our baseball season because we were still in college. Mm-hmm. Um, it shut down literally everything that we wanted to do. Like I, I wanted to go to the bar. Nope, shut down. Like right. it, and it was such a back th- thinking back then when I was a kid, I was younger. I was like, man, this sucks. This sucks. But you yeah. know. Looking back at it now, that year and a half, man, I grew so much because, you know, I wasn't just focused on baseball and stuff like that. You know, I had a job. I was working at Barto Ford. I learned, you know, some real world experiences while this happened. So, you know, yes, it sucks that it happened to the world, but it, it helped me out. And it's so cool to see that it helped you out, too. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of chuckled there for a little bit whenever Brian said I wanted to go to the <laughs> bar and they were shut down. Yeah. We, uh, we figured out COVID creates so many other opportunities yeah. though so like yeah. a lot so of people many. so and so many things changed yeah and more opportunity was created out of it yeah like they said like a lot of times um like covid lost a lot of jobs covid made a lot of jobs as well yeah. like uh, there's a lot of you know uh stuff online and everything but why i chuckled is because during covid all these restaurants were allowed to sell like to go alcohol and so like yeah. There was several times where I started going to like our local Mexican restaurant and they would sell gallon margaritas to go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, sure. so we were like pounding some margs every now and then. Oh, but, yeah. but uh, man, to bring it back a little bit, you know, what what interests you in real estate? You said you started riding around whenever your buddy. Um, was it just like, hey, this is an opportunity. They make pretty good money. Like roll with it. Or was it more of like. You know, I've always kind of wanted, you know, sell a house or whatever. No, I never thought about it, dude. It was never something that I, like, genuinely wanted to do my whole life or until I kind of got around him. And I just had to really weigh my options. So it was either wait around for yeah. restaurants to kind of come back into full mm-hmm. full service. But at that point, I realized, like, I'm never going to be in control. Yeah. So I'm always going to have to wonder, like, is this going to happen again or if it's something different? And I didn't want to have that uncertainty, especially as I rolled into this new relationship, mm-hmm. because I felt like this was a girl that I was could definitely probably like spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. Right. And so when that happened, I really didn't know anything about real estate. I had no interest in it at all. I'd started just listening to podcasts, reading books and the investment side of real estate is what got me interested. And I was just going to try and do that. But then I decided if I'm a real estate agent, I can probably make more money to get to that point, right? Yeah. And so I decided to then get my license during that time. And meanwhile, while I'm like, you know, drinking margs at like 10 o'clock in the morning, because <laughs> like you said, you could just go pick it up from the restaurant, dude, yeah. like a whole yeah. gallon. So I'm sitting there just like half-wasted doing my real estate class, to be honest. You know, like, <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't even pay attention to the class, dude. I kind of just like went through the quizzes, figured out what the answers were so I could get it done as soon as possible because I was like, I know I can do it regardless, and I'll have people behind me to make sure that I don't do something illegal, right? and I'll just run it by everyone. So I was like, I didn't really care about Because the class doesn't teach you how to be a real estate agent or how to make money. It's basically a class to like keep you out of jail. Yeah, right? yeah. You know? so. That's awesome. No, uh, I think it's very interesting because, you know, you got out of the food industry whenever COVID hit, you know, it was a big time where like everything shut down. Well, you got into the real estate business when everything started to take off. It was perfect. Like the real estate industry absolutely blew up through the last couple of years. You know, do you want to talk about a little bit of how, how the market was affected, you know, post COVID when everybody started buying? Yeah. Well, you got to think like geographically, right? So we're in Florida. A lot of people want to move here and live here anyways. Because of the open laws. The Mm -hmm. economy's better. The laws, yeah. exactly. Like, we were still you can do whatever you to want. do things. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you were in California and New York, like, you literally couldn't do anything. You were locked down. So we had a lot of people from California and New York or other northern states or wherever that were moving here. And so there was a lot of opportunity for me to kind of jump in and make money right away. And so I used that to my advantage for sure. And I think that it's a good, you know, I just happen to be here in Florida, right? If I was a realtor in Kansas, like I might not be a good realtor. Yeah. Yeah. Because how many people are moving to Kansas? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Like, you know, supply and demand a hundred percent. And there weren't enough homes here for all the influx of people that were coming here. And so that's where you see like the prices just jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you make your money off your commission too. A hundred percent. So I'm making more money because the prices are going up. Mm-hmm. And there's more volume of people that, that want to buy yeah. or sell. Yeah. Um, and really, it was a lot of buyers. There weren't a lot of sellers because if you lived here already, why would you move? 
Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, you unless you were trying to upgrade or something. Yeah, yeah, of course. So when yeah. you uh, when you got into the real estate, do you like remember your like first like experience, like your first sell? Like how how was oh, that yeah. feeling? Yeah, how you kind of got thrown to the yeah. sh- like the sharks or the wolves. Oh, it was or whatever quick, dude. Yeah, so I got my license in September of 2020. I mean, I literally actually passed my class and went like straight to a showing. Really? Yeah, okay. like because I was already talking to people on Facebook or whatever. Ah, uh, okay. And, and meeting new people and was like, you know, I have my license and I would lie and say I have my license. <laughs> and then I would make up an excuse why I needed another week or two. Yeah. Right? And so then I had a guy who was my neighbor actually. And so he's really set on working with me. And I told him that, you know, I eventually was dishonest with him. I said, you know, I don't have my license yet, but I will here in the next week or two. And so I studied really hard. And so when I walked into my class, I did fail it twice, which is like normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know people who have failed it 10, 15, 20 times. Wow. Um, And so I walked in on the third time and I passed it. And so then I called him and I was like, okay, we can go look at it now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it was very quick. And my first deal was I sold like a acre and a half lot, like just land in Ocala. Um, and it was cheap, dude, that for like, you know, twenty, twenty five thousand. Yeah. So oh, I wow. Did, yeah, yeah. Super yeah, cheap. Super cheap. Super cheap. So I didn't make, you know, really any money. I think I made like eight hundred bucks or something. Yeah. And but looking at it, I was like eight hundred bucks, like it would have taken me two or three nights serving to make 800 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to do much on this at all. Yeah. And so she, that was your foot was in the one. door at that point. Yeah, exactly. So well, that's pretty cool. You know, I, did you like kind of fall in love with it after that point? You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think I fell in love with more like the flexibility and the okay. freedom that you get of being your own boss kind of, yeah. and being able, you know, I could work, I could be in California right now and still make money. Yeah, yeah. I, I could be anywhere and still make money as long as I have Wi-Fi. That's you know? crazy. I mean, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, I went on a cruise a few months ago with my uh, with my lady, and I was still working. Mm. You know? That's crazy. And it, it kind of sucks to, to an extent, <laughs> to be yeah. honest, though, because they know that. Yeah. Your clients know that. They know that they don't care that you're on a cruise. They're going to ask you questions, and they're going to have, what do we do next or whatever. Right. And so you have to be available. But yeah. – you know, then eventually I, I started my own company and I have other agents now and stuff that work for me. So I'm able to like delegate or outsource some of that, mm-hmm. which helps. But like, I never get just a vacation, you know, right. like yeah. if you work, a lot of people, they work their job when it's vacation time, it's vacation time. Yeah. For me, it's like I could turn around tomorrow and go out of town for a week if I want to, but I have to be able to like cut out an hour or two in the morning to, to get back with emails or, or callbacks or whatever it is. So Right. You yeah. can't shut out. No, never. Um, so we talked a little bit about how, you know, the market was so insane, how you kind of just got like thrown to the wolves and everything. Um, how do you, where do you see the market going in the future? Because I know we're kind of hitting like a plateau right now. Um, and then there's a lot of talk about that. We may be going into a recession, how the economy is going. How do you think that's going to affect the whole real estate industry? Yeah. So I think it circles back to what I said before too, about like where you're, where you're located mm-hmm. It has a lot to do with that. And now this is just my personal opinion. You know, I'm not an economist or, or an expert by any means, but like, I would say that we're already in a recession. Yeah. yeah. That would be me. I would say that we've been in a recession for at least six months. Really? Yeah. Why, why do you say that? Just look by, at the price of everything. Yeah, look at, <laughs> by looking at the price of everything, people have been laying off jobs for the past few months. I would just say that, like moving forward with the real estate market specifically in Florida, I don't know what it's going to do in California or Kansas, right, or Oklahoma. They're obviously going to struggle a little bit more yeah. in yeah. those smaller states, more rural. But, and especially where I'm at in Orlando, there's still so many people that want to move there. Yeah. And, it, and it's easier, like before, if you were selling your house, it was great because you were going to get like $75,000 over your asking price. And it was probably going to be cash. So you didn't have to worry about whether you were actually going to get it or not. Yeah. Right. Because a lot right. of loans fall through, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think now it's kind of balanced out. So if you're trying to buy a property, you can actually negotiate a lot of things, whether it be price. It could be a lot of people are crediting you money back just because they need to sell. And, and it's, you're the only offer. Before, you know, I had houses that had like 40, 50 offers on them at one time. Like, literally, people would just be standing outside, like, waiting to get in. It was like a frenzy, dude. So, I think that we'll, it's going to continue to, like, balance out a little bit. The interest rates have come back down a little bit. Like, just this past week, they creeped back down under six, which is a good sign. Yeah, mm-hmm. really um, good. 
mean, because a month ago, everybody was saying, well, they're going to go up to 10. I heard like nine. Yeah. Nine, 10. Yeah. Cause they did. I mean, they reached like seven and a half, eight and they're like, oh, it's going to keep going up. And luckily the inflation numbers, the last report just came out last week and it, it was down. So that's a good sign. So yeah. speaking of which, you know, the inflation and, you know, all the interest rates going up and fluctuating, what, what would be your, you know, your advice to, you know, people trying to buy or sell right now? I would say if you're trying to sell right now, if you're, oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> Honestly, that might be a clip for yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can use it if it's funny, but I don't care. But <laughs> His I, headphones fell off. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you're trying to sell a house right now, that you need to make sure that your property looks like absolutely perfect, dude. Because yeah. there's so many available. There's okay. a lot mm-hmm. more available right now than there was during that time that we spoke about before. Right. They're sitting there for 30, 40, 50, 60 days because there's so many. Yeah. So if there's a lot more available as a consumer, you have a lot more to choose from. Yeah. So you can the, pick the perfect property you want. Exactly. So if you don't have the funds to like really beef up your house and make it look beautiful and sell it like top dollar, then you're you're going to you're not going to make market value. For yeah. You right now. Yeah. Right. You're just not. An investor might come in and offer you 50,000 lower. And, and it's probably a good offer, and you can take it if that if that number makes sense for you. But then on the flip side, as a consumer, as a buyer, it's great because you have a lot to choose from. And you can go to that seller and say, I really do want your property, but I'm going to offer $25,000 less than what you're asking, and I want you to buy my interest rate down, which is a whole nother topic. So a lot of people, I would ask you as a seller, hey, you're going to give me $10,000 to give to my lender. It's almost like more of a down payment. Yeah. And then that lender will give you a lesser interest rate. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, no, right, that, right. yeah. So a lot of people are doing that right now. Okay. And, I mean, you could. a lot of people can walk into a house for free. Like, not for free, but no money out of pocket or very little. I saw I saw something the other day where you could get a put a down payment on a house for low as three percent nowadays. Like oh yeah, it's for the, sure. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, you have to put ten to twenty percent down on a house. Most people don't do that. It's usually like three to five percent. Yeah. So cool. if I could easily negotiate as an agent for you, where that seller is going to give us a three percent credit, well, that's your down payment right yeah. there. So now you're just paying like a little bit of closing costs, maybe four or five thousand dollars, and you get into your house. Man, that's. So. Really, uh, yeah, that 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 helps me out because you know I'm about to start have to looking for yeah. houses and stuff like that. This is what irritates me though, like all this information, like becoming a because you're you're almost thirty, right? Yeah, I'm twenty nine. Okay, yeah. and so uh, Dylan's a little bit older than Brian and I, um, but they don't teach any of this. None, oh, nothing. No, they don't teach about real estate. They don't no. teach about insurance. They don't teach about taxes, like in high school. And like it drives me nuts because I have to find everything out once I, I once I get to the point where it's like I need to pay attention to this or two it's through social media and I they feel don't like want you to no. yeah it's and the, the reason being is they'd rather you go to college what like if you even in college could, I didn't learn it right it, well it, they would they want your money yeah, yeah. I mean if you have a lot of people have scholarships whether it be athletic or whatever yeah. but that money's still coming from somewhere somebody that's being taxed on that money. Yeah. yeah every dollar gets taxed dude right so if you're going to college and you have to take loans, that's money for the government. If everybody, you know, knew that they could do what I do, would you go to college? Yeah, yeah. that's true. You, you know, know the, I, I will say when we had Forrest on, he, uh, you know, being he's a football coach at the University of Tennessee, you would right. think like their main priority is to promote college and promote, you know, being a student athlete. You know, he mentioned like, you know, it's not terrible for people to go into trade school, for people to get licensed. Like yeah. he, he actually encouraged it. He's like, not everybody's going to be a college football athlete. Not everybody's right. like, It's yeah. like you can go do these things and make just as good an amount of money in the long run with mm. probably less loans if you go to a trade school yeah. and be successful. Like that blew my mind and now you're saying it like it's so nice you know people out there you don't have to go to college you mm. don't have to do that yeah we went to college we played we did all the experience but there's so many ways out there to be successful other than the college route other than the degree and route. it's so beat into you yes. i mean i was the same that's the only reason i went to college like i didn't want to i didn't have a specific degree or something i wanted to do like i said earlier i just went because i've never i felt like i had to go yeah or else everybody was going to look at me like, you're a loser. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, if I could have gotten a real estate fresh when I was 18, now I'm glad I didn't because I wasn't in the mindset to do it at a high level. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I would have really struggled. And so it might have pushed me out because a lot of people get pushed out of the business if they don't do well because you don't, you know, you're not guaranteed money. Right. But that's definitely true. And I think they should start to teach that and, and yeah. iterate that in class in high school mm-hmm. and especially in college because I have friends that I know personally who have gotten out of college and they're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my buddy and I, we've talked about it before. You know, it should be a requirement for like high school students to have a life class is what we called it. Life yeah. class. Like mm-hmm. whether it's a, you're learning how to balance a checkbook, you're mm-hmm. learning about interest rates, you're learning about, you know, what this is going to be like if you buy a house, the process you need to take to buy a house. Like why is that not a thing? Like yeah. why aren't we teaching kids how to, you know, set up a good life? Like even sex ed. Yes. Sex ed isn't even uh, in high school. Yeah, yeah. And even when it was, when I was in school, it was very, like, it scientific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, check It wasn't the box, education like, to me. Yeah. It definitely didn't teach me anything to, like, look out for, other yeah. than, like, don't get an STD. But, yeah. like, who doesn't know that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I wish, like, a part of that, you know, sex ed, like you said, you yeah. know, you should bring up the fact that raising a child is so expensive, mm-hmm. you know, and not a lot of people, you know, are prepared for that. But, you know, it goes back to like, hey, if you had somebody in a classroom at 16, 17 years old mm-hmm. speaking to these kids, like, hey, you're going to have this on average, you're going to spend this much. And it shouldn't be a 55-year-old lady. Yes. Yeah. It should be like a young man, like like ourselves, going in there and like really educating. Like what yeah. what are the disadvantages of having a bunch yes. of sex at a young age? And you know, obviously these kids turn to which I mean, I'll admit like I struggle with in the past like pornography or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And people turn to that for education and like women really don't like a lot of like no. what you see. No. Yeah. So no. you, you, once you get into a committed relationship, like I had to make that adjustment when I got into the relationship that I'm in now. Because I had this image in my head of what it meant yeah. right, or what it was, and it's not. So that's, that's how they're being educated, and that's obviously not good for, like, young men going forward. And it really can, like, you know, your brain's still developing. Right. Yeah. So it can change a lot of your views, and it can really hurt you. Like, really exactly. And it, exactly. Yeah, and it says also, like, it talks about how it releases dopamine levels whenever you are watching, like, pornography, oh, yeah. whatever. And so it's releasing these dopamine levels. And so, like you have that attention or whatever um, during that time. And then whenever it, you're done, you're done. And it's like, oh, you don't care. And then that, that I've seen a lot of things where it translates into your like relationship with a woman where 100%. there's a certain amount of times where you have a lot of dopamine and it's like physical touch or whatever. And you're all for them at that period of time. And then once that's over, you don't give a shit about them. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, it's teaching this young generation that's, that's like been embedded a, yeah. here. Yeah. And so whenever you're doing that all the time and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I can care about a girl for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, like, they're showing me attention, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, I don't care about you. And that could very yeah, easily really, uh, very easily could lead to the reason why there's not a lot of dads in a lot of pictures nowadays. 100%. And so it's like, okay, so these kids are getting raised without dads. Well, maybe we should just stop watching porn. Like, that's... Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree, dude. I, just, I, mean, I know that's a jump yeah. and everything, yeah. right, but, right. like... <laughs> but it needs to be at least, like... Brought up. It has to be talked yeah. about, dude. Especially with like young, because nobody talked to me about it. No, nobody. Like, talked I mean, to me my about dad either. talked to me about it. You know, like my dad was a pastor growing up, so he obviously talked to me about it. But it was like my dad, so it's like you know, you don't take it as yeah. If like a thirty-year-old guy would have came to me and said, "Hey, look, I really struggle with this, and then this happened to me because of that," I might have listened. It might have clicked. Like, oh yeah. shit, I don't yeah. want that to be me. Like, of course, your dad's gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, you got to hear it from people. You know. Yeah. And I, I would have respected a 30-year-old guy more at that point than my dad. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, I get that. And, you know, bringing it all back to circle, like, they have to, we have to do a better job at teaching younger kids how to set themselves up and how to avoid problems like this, how to avoid things that are going to make, you know, relationships hard or things that are going to make you, you know, you're starting your life out hard and whatnot. Um, it's just, I just wish there was a class that taught all of that together that could, you know, just called life. Life. Yeah. Learn yeah. the basics of what it means to be succeed. You know, my sister's 16 years old. Mm-hmm. She's 16. I guarantee she don't know how to write a check. Right. And like, yeah. It's That's a big stuff thing, like too. That. Stuff I mean, like that. I mean, I learned it, but, I mean, I also, 
I mean, I went to a private school my yeah. whole life, so it's yeah. a little bit different. Well, but yeah, a little different. They do teach like certain different things, obviously, mm-hmm. than they would at like Frostproof or Fort Meade. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like I don't know. I just hope that you know someday somebody, a part of the public school system, decides that that's it's we need to do it. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite classes in college that I actually took was uh, entrepreneurship and small business management, and it's it basically taught us, you know. Um, about LLCs, sole proprietors, partnerships, yeah, and stuff see, like that. Stuff I had no idea about until I yeah. got into real estate and yeah. started my own company. I was, dude. I like I ate that class up. Um, like we, uh, we actually even funny story. This relates right to the podcast too. So, um, we had this project where we had to um pitch an idea um to like a business that we want to start. Mm-hmm. And so this was right around the same time Brian and I were doing uh Shed Talk, which was like this little podcast deal that we kind of did in college we huddled around a phone and kind of talked very about, amateur yeah <laughs> we literally talked about like barstool type stuff yeah, yeah and so partying and everything so i pitched this idea um to the class like i wrote up a response or whatever and the class would vote on their favorite um idea and four people got picked and so Mine was one of the uh, the things about the podcast, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And so then I got to draft all these different people to um, to come in and be able to help me promote my idea. And then we had to have um, a uh, the end goal or whatever the final presentation was, um, like a Shark Tank interview. Mm-hmm. And so there were like four people that were actually in business, like businesses around the uh, the community and like Lake Wales that they came in and they asked us question about our whole business plan and everything. So that was really cool because I pitched this whole dot whole idea about this podcast and then we actually yeah. ended really up kind of yeah. doing but it. Saying, like, you, that's a real life experience that they taught you. Like you're yeah. going to have to do something like this to be successful one day. We got to get back to that, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Sure. I Actually, I was talking to my friend Brian the other day. He goes down the keys a lot and he told me about this school called the Monetary School, right? Mm. So it's a school that takes away what you think of traditional education, throws it all away. That's like what Elon Musk is doing with and his kids. It's like, it's a school, yeah. it's a school where, you know, they have like a full kitchen set up. You know, kids are going to go in there and learn how to cook. Yeah, dude, do, nobody has yeah. any life skills. None. Yeah. Whatsoever. None. And it was so cool to learn about that because he also told me that they don't break it down in grades. You don't have a K, one, two, it's yeah. age groups. Right. So you're going to have you know, four to seven-year-olds together. That way the seven-year-olds can, you know, teach the four-year-olds this is the little ropes and whatever and get mm-hmm. them better. And then you go up to the next level. It's like eight to 11. And it's just like, I really think that, you know, a school system like that could be beneficiary to yeah. people. I feel like that would also help mature kids faster. faster. You oh, know, yeah. because you got a four-year-old hanging out with a seven-year-old. Right. And the seven-year-olds are still going to do the same seven-year-old things. And so you got four-year-olds looking at those kids. I want to be like him. Like, oh, like I look up to him. And all of a sudden they're seven and they're there and they're exactly, you know, doing the same thing to those four-year-olds. And then it's nonstop. You're always trying to be like, oh, I want to be like them. And I feel like it'll help mature them a whole lot faster than being in a class with four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's crazy. You know, a lot of people nowadays with, you know, the real estate stuff, they have side businesses because... Yeah. got to like i mean yeah, if you, if, well yeah. people in general yeah, have side everybody. hustles all the time you know do you have any you know things that you're working on the side yeah you? definitely so i mean well it kind of started as a side hustle and now it's like you know full-fledged business so my girlfriend she worked in like veterinary medicine for like 10 years okay um and then when she met me and i think when she kind of saw me take like the entrepreneurship route it might have shifted her mindset a little bit so I encouraged her because she was always like house sitting or pet sitting for people on the side, you know, Yeah, walking their dogs or whatever. And I was like, why don't we do this shit full time? Yeah. Like there's such a need for it. Other people are doing it. Like I guarantee we can do it better. Yeah. So we might as well try it. And so, you know, we set up her LLC and stuff like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And that was back in like September of 2021. And so we just went through like our first full year and it's been extremely successful. Like the amounts of money and the volume of people that would pay for a service like that, especially in Orlando. Yeah. You know, not as prominent in like a small town, but up there, like I said earlier, everything moves so fast. Yeah. But people still have dogs, dude. Yeah. So like <laughs> everybody's always, you know, people are always going to have dogs. And so they need people to come let them out during the day or walk them for 20 or 30 minutes during the day. Or they don't want to board their animals because they're, you know, we yeah. want it to be at home, like, more comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they pay us to come watch the house while they're out of town. 
And, you know, people are paying anywhere from like $75 to $100 a night for a service like that. Yeah, that's cool. That's crazy. So if you have a couple people that are doing that at one time, you know, I mean, you do the math, like it adds up for sure. Yeah. yeah. Especially like during the holidays and, and, and busy times like that. So that's been a huge point of emphasis for me, especially in 2023, because I'm a, a lot of real estate agents or people in real estate come from a lack of money. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking to people or meeting with people, like people can sense that you're desperate for money. Yeah. So if you have another income stream, it kind of lets you just go in and be yourself. You know, you don't have yeah, to you're be just as, chilling. oh, I got to get this deal done. I got to make this commission or I'm not going to pay my bills. Yeah. It's more relaxed and then they feel more relaxed and they're more liable to work with you. Right. So how do you, uh, how do people get in contact? Like if they want to, you know, you got a basset hound sitting on the front porch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. How, how, do, how do you get down Willis to come take it out? I mean, so we actually have like a software and app. Oh, so okay. okay. That's uh, cool. Yeah, so a lot of the, Yeah, what's it called? It's called Scout. Okay. So okay. how it works is like, let's say you needed us to come let your dog out or you were going out of town for a week. I think okay, I've, I've heard, heard of that. Scout, yeah. Yeah, so you That's would, your company? No, no, no. It's not our company. It's oh. an app, like a software that uh, we use. I was about to say it's hold up, man. Like we pay to have it branded <laughs> yeah. to us, mm-hmm. but it's not our app. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. So but it's just like a software that you can use. So like all our billing and invoicing goes through there. Mm. Um and like let's say you're going out of town next week and you need somebody to come watch the dogs, right? Like the neighbor's daughter couldn't do it, whatever. And a lot of people would rather have a professional come do it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're like administering medication and stuff, and that's where like my girl's experience comes into play. Yeah. And so you could basically basically just go on, book the week. Um, and then you have like an app. And so let's say I'm checking in, like I have to take a picture of your dog to check in for the appointment. Oh, okay. So it's guaranteed that someone's there because there's been a lot of experiences that people have had where they're supposed to have a pet sitter and they never show up. So yeah, no crazy. For days at a time. Everywhere the dog's hungry. Yeah, for like days at a time. Mm. And so it proves like we're there. And then it's like, you know, tracks GPS. And so if you're walking a dog, like, they can see where you went. It'll tell them whether, like, they went pee or whatever the case may be, how long you were there. Um, And once we got that, I feel like that really put us in a spot where it was like an actual business Mm -hmm. versus a side hustle, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's a lot of word of mouth. We get a ton of referrals, dude. Yeah, So this neighbor tells this person, and then they tell their friend. And just keeping a good reputation – and people are just constantly reaching out to us all the time. Are you are you doing anything other than uh, other? Are you doing anything else to market rather than just word of mouth? Or so we've had our first event. Like I, I've been doing a lot of a, trying to trying to do more events, but we did our first like real one back in October. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a fall kind of thing, you know. And it was a huge success. We probably had like fifty or sixty people. And my plan is because. The real estate company, you know, a lot of these people that are paying for these services are higher end people. Yeah. Like if you're going out of town for two weeks and paying for flights and hotels and dinners, you don't have money to your average person, I guess you could say, doesn't have money to then pay another twelve hundred dollars just for somebody to watch, watch your house. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the houses that we're staying in are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollar houses. <laughs> so we're going to be doing more events where it gives myself and like my agents an opportunity to get in front of those people on the real estate side too. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it has been mainly word of mouth, like Facebook, right? Yeah. yeah. Somebody tags, tags my girlfriend. Um, hey, you know, or they ask, Hey, I'm looking for a pet sitter for three days. And then one of their friends knows my girlfriend tags her. And now all of a sudden we're in contact with them. Yeah. Word of wow. mouth. That's very cool. huge. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. You know, you are very, very diverse in your background. You know, we've, you seem like there's one thing you like to do, and that's make money. And yeah, yeah, that's how, sure. that's mm-hmm. how me and him are. You know, yeah. we, we want to keep doing different things with this podcast, whether it be the Coop Nights or live mm-hmm. performances. We want to make money with this, too. You know, I kind of want to get to know you outside of, yeah. you know, the making money thing. And this is where our snap questions come in. Cool. Um, so, you know, our snap questions, like I said, get us away from the main topic um, and let our guests know that, you know, it's about time to wrap it up. We don't want to keep them, you know waiting so long to listen mm-hmm. but um our first question for you tonight is our table question which is when or sorry excuse me let me rephrase it which is if you could go to dinner with three people that are alive who would they be and why okay cool i would number one probably say kobe bryant okay that would be my number one why i would say you know rest in peace like but his grit 
the mama band. The drive. Man, like I try to take that into my business, right? His consistency, I think consistency is probably like my number mm-hmm. one rule, like no matter what and always yeah. will be, no matter what you do, mm-hmm. whether if it's in, in the job or in the gym or with your family or with your kids or your girlfriend or whatever. But I would say Kobe just because of that mama mentality for yeah. sure. I would love to pick his brain and just find out like how did you hustle so hard every day so consistently. Yeah. You know. And then number two, I would probably say Elon. Ah, yeah, that was on his and yeah, mine. For sure. <laughs> Big I love his number one, like his views and takes on things. Mm-hmm. And he's not scared of anything, dude. Yeah. yeah, and he's no. not scared to voice his opinion. No, like, not he at just says all. That. And he's same thing. Like, I mean, he has a mob of mentality. You know, most of the time he's sleeping in his office. Yeah. You know, and some people might not know that. But yeah, I saw that in Twitter. He put a bed in there. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Like, he's committed 110%. Yeah. He has certain goals in mind, and there's, like, nothing that's going to stop, stop him. him. I mean, that's he walked crazy. into Twitter and was like, okay, like, there's literally just people sitting around in here. Get out. Yeah, yeah, dude, he did because that. it's gonna affect where he wants to take the company. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he doesn't, and it kind of it's kind of sucks because yeah, you people are out of jobs, but really like that'll probably. Why be are you one. sitting down? Why yeah. are you just sitting around? You know, they, if they don't take that lesson and, and change, then then that's on them at the end of the day. In my personal opinion, like mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for that person. I yeah, don't either. you know what I mean. Number three, not a lot of people might know who this is, but I don't. Maybe Patrick Bet David. I don't know. Um, I haven't heard of that. So he's like an entrepreneur, started like an insurance company. So he has like 20,000 agents. Big, like conservative entrepreneur guy, has a podcast. And I just really love how he lives his life. Like he's a super family man, um, huge on like the... The, like the young boys thing, like trying Mm -hmm. to turn young boys into real men Mm -hmm. and not fall into like some of the traps that we fell into yeah, for and, real. and trying to change that narrative. Um, and I really just enjoy, like if I could sit down with him for like an hour or two, like how do you balance being so successful in business and being a great family man? Yeah. Because I feel like that's such a big, like the world kind of teaches or tells you that you got to be one or the other. Like right. you either have to be very successful and work, you know, a thousand hours a week and make bukus of money, yeah. but you know you're not going to have any time for your family. Right. Or you know, oh yeah, you can yeah you can go on vacation, you can go doing that, but you're just spending money. You'll never make any money. Yeah. And so I was like, I feel like the world is like it. It tells you to make one or the other, but you got to you have to find a happy medium to be able to be you know yeah happy truly happy because you know you come home from work, you work all these hours, and then you come home and they're like, oh, where you've been. They're not going to be happy, oh, and yeah, you're not going to be happy. I've met guys that are worth $10, $20, 30000000 million, and they're yeah. miserable. Yeah. Because the wife hates them, and the kids can't stand to be around them yeah. because they're never around. Yeah, you know? I get that. And I you have everything that you could possibly imagine materialistically or monetarily. Yeah. But you work, you know, 70, 80 hours a week, and you're always in the office, and you're never home. Like, how do you balance that? I think... You know, like from listening to him, I just learned like you got to get out of your own way. You can't be afraid to put other people in place to do your job mm-hmm. yeah. so that you can take your ass home and be with the kids and be with your wife. Yeah. You, you got to delegate, man, especially like 100%, that's yeah. that's one big thing I always said. Um, like whenever one day I, you know, I hope to be an entrepreneur. I hope to have a couple different side businesses and that. And, uh, and I was talking to my cousin the other day and I was like, if I make, you know, millions by the time, say, for instance, I'm 35, I was like. I would literally show up to work because I want to work. And I was like, I'd work, you know, yeah. 11 o'clock or so and be like, all right, well, I'm going to go golf with the guys. <laughs> and he, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. he didn't understand that. He was like, he's yeah. like, no, no. He's like, but there's more money to make. And I was like, well, if I've made my money by the, you know, if I made $50 million by the time I'm 35, I'm going to just chill. Very 100%. Hard. Put that money to work. Yeah. yeah. And that's oh, what man, I said. I like, your money make money. At that point in my, yeah, and that's exactly what I said. I was like, at that point in time, I was like, I could do nothing and still make money because all my investments, I was like, I could have properties. I can have, you know, right. uh, it's all passive income at that point. I was like, I don't have to bust my ass. I could go travel the world with a video camera and make money off of YouTube. Yeah. Right. Like it's at that point, it's like, it's all funded. But. Which, yeah. which brings us literally yeah. to our next question <laughs> for you. So if you could have, we asked a lot of people this question and it's because a hundred thousand dollars, it's not, a lot. It's not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fantastic. Like if somebody gave me a hundred thousand dollars, I gladly take it. Right. But at the same time, it's not something that's life changing, but mm-hmm. within itself. So if we gave you a hundred thousand dollars, what would you do with it? 
if I had a hundred thousand dollars just to to use for whatever, I honestly would probably like invest it into some kind of like apartment building. Actually. Okay, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, I'm a real estate guy. Yeah. yeah, so I would want to either like a quadplex kind of or duplex or probably more. yeah, or yeah. use that money to invest into a bigger project with other investors. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. like a two hundred fifty unit building or something. Like yeah. That. Okay. Um, cool. because. Uh, you know, a lot of people in my business, that's like the goal because that's what we know. That's what we do right. is to get into like multifamily investing. And you can't just go buy one with $100,000, but I could take out a pretty decent loan putting yeah. that money down and I'd be 100% okay with that. Yeah. Right. Because I would know that those tenants would pay that balance down. The risk is there. It's always there. You yeah. have a, a huge lump sum of loan that you owe, but you're not the one working to pay it. Yeah, right. all those tenants have to go work their jobs to pay their rent, and that's mm-hmm. how the loan gets paid down. Yeah, so that's, you'd also have to have property managers to be able to look over everything. But that one hundred percent, most definitely, yeah. You got like I said, you have to have people in place. You know, I'm yeah. not going right. to own five hundred units or something like that and, and check and, every room <laughs> and, and be on the phone at three o'clock in the morning like our toilet broke. <laughs> <laughs> like what's that the point? sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, you know. Nobody ever says that, you know, nobody ever, they, they say, yeah, I'm going to invest it, but nobody ever, you know, thinks of it like, Hey, I can invest with other people on this project. Nobody, it's like, people don't don't just own apartment complexes by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. If they do, they're filthy rich already. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's like five or six different guys. That's cool that you mentioned that because, you know, you might've just taught our viewers that who may have some money around like, Oh crap. I could actually go invest with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So like Brian's saying, like, how do you get in contact with some of those people? Well, so for me, it's a little bit easier, well, like yeah. if you're in the yeah. industry, but a lot of times, I mean, you'd be surprised, right? Like I know personally people who have, are like young, like your age or, mm-hmm. or maybe my age, like some of them, but the, if you can just find the property, find the right property, right? So yeah. you, you find an apartment complex, the owner wants to sell it. And he has a number in mind. And the number makes sense for someone to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, the money will come, dude. Because yeah. there's so many people willing to put their money into something like that. So Especially right would, now, too, I feel like. Oh, yeah. So what you would do is you'd say, you know, I have this apartment complex. Like, you don't just put an apartment complex, like, on Zillow, dude. Like, yeah. it's, like <laughs> it, it's all, like, off-market kind of stuff, you know? Most of the time, 95% of the time. So you would reach out to somebody like me or maybe, like, a hedge fund manager Mm-hmm. and say, hey, I have this 250-unit apartment building. The owner wants to sell it for this price. Like, I I personally want to buy it. And so a lot of people will let you have equity on the deal, even if you don't bring a whole lot, if any, money to the table because hmm. you'll manage it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, say, okay, well, I'll do all the – any permitting or any county things that we need to do, anything with the city. I'll manage the property. I'll manage the rehab. Yeah. And they'll be like, okay, cool, you can own 15% of it. Because okay. they don't want to get involved in all that, like mm-hmm. you said. So if you can add certain value to a situation, you might be able to own an apartment complex, not in full, but owning 15% of a, a $20 million apartment complex, yeah. like you do the math, yeah. is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And you could do that with no money, technically. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm a learning. lot of stories of people doing that. I am learning so much from yeah. him. This, yeah. this is a good exactly. episode. Like this, yeah. I told you. Yeah. I kept it. We've tried to get Dylan on literally for like two months. Yeah, and it's like yeah. we like we would schedule something and something come up and we couldn't make it happen because you know he came from Orlando all the way uh, over here today. So I mean, we greatly appreciate it. It's, it's yeah, we sure. also enjoy episodes in yeah. person much more than we yeah, do I over do Zoom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our but, next our next question for you, Dylan. If you could go, you know, anywhere in the world, dream vacation. Where are you going? Probably, I want to go to Italy. Yeah. I okay. saw we that haven't coming. Got that, really? Though. Yeah. Well, no, I yeah. saw that coming because Dylan's a very kind of like bougie like kind of person. Shit, <laughs> yeah, I want to go eat like Sicilian food. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. I'd love to. Or honestly, like Santorini too, like Greece. Yeah. That's one yeah. place I really want to go. We haven't. We haven't had. Like that area, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's little, cool. A little side story on Dylan. We would, uh, when we were working Perfect Game, he mentioned how we would meet. Um, well, I guess it was after the fact. I was still working Perfect Game through college, and he kind of went along the way. And uh, you were in the food industry whenever we were hanging out. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And that's uh, when I was working at Disney. And so we were hanging out and everything. And I'd come into town. I'd be living in Orlando for three, four months. And uh, he's like, "Oh, we got to go to this place, or we got to go to this place." So we'd sit down and like. 
I wasn't even allowed to order. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Dylan would be like, "All right, we're gonna get this. Uh, we're gonna get this wine." Or, yeah. uh, and I was like, "Well, I don't really like wine." He's like, "What are you?" A p- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so he'd yeah. like he order me, you know, a, a bourbon or yeah. whatever, and then uh, he'd he'd do the whole menu deal. But he's he's very very I bougie. His, dude, I yeah. take his advice. He's I can't worked be, yeah. at some yeah. high end restaurants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He always liked it too, though. We had some good times, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, you have the last question. Or do you yeah, I'll take that? it. Um, what advice would you give yourself back at twenty three? I would just say, like, dude, party later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many so many people, it's like, okay, I'm 18, 19, 20, 21. It's party time. But then, like, the very few percent of people that take that time to, like, grind or build a business or go to law school or become a doctor or start a real estate company or whatever they decide to do, like, by the time they're 30, 35, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So I would say be consistent during those times. Like, don't follow the trend be different, and then you can look back and say, you know, like, I'm just getting started, I'm 29. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I could have went back at 23 and do what I did now, who knows where I would be now at 29. Yeah. Right. So that would definitely be my thing is, like, be consistent in work. If you go to school, be consistent. Take it seriously. Don't go just to get a degree. Like, really challenge yourself. Like, try and see what yeah. you really can do. Go network yourself. And, yeah. and, fall, and do, like, building off that, do what you love. You know, I yeah. I went to college and I I've changed my major three times. I was a health science guy, hated it. I went to Warner. I was like, you know what? I live in Central Florida. There's a lot of money in agriculture. Mm. Hated it. Yeah, and that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> I uh, my last choice, I I was like, you know, I was talking to somebody. I was like, you know, I really want to get into sports commentating. I really want to do this and that. That was back then. But they were like, you know, you should probably try communications. This is literally what you want to do. Right. So I tried it out, man, and gosh, it fit like a glove. But yeah. that's so true. Like, do what you love yeah, on top you of that. And then you commit to it. You know, this has been an awesome episode, man. I, uh, I really, I'm really proud. I'm really glad you got this guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I told, I kept telling Brian, I was like, we got to get him on. We got to get him on. He's like, well, you know, when do we have time? Because he may, had to make the drive, but you know, we yeah. finally made it work. Yeah, we finally got able sure. to do it. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. We definitely, uh, definitely need to have you back on. We, you know, we try to have our guests, you know, if we were still doing this thing in 10 years and be like, well, Oh yeah. Be. Well, yeah. you know, this is what Dylan's uh, doing now. He's yeah. selling, you know, multi-million yeah, dollar is. apartment complexes yeah. and <laughs> That's the goal, or man. owns five or six of them. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully the latter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what we do is a really cool thing. Every time a guest comes on our show, we follow them back on Instagram. You can check out Dylan's Instagram, get in contact with him. Um, do you want to tell the people how to get in contact with your real estate? Yeah, sure. So my uh, Instagram is Dylan Willis PA. Uh, my email, you can always email me is Dylan at sellingorangeco.com. So that's my company, Selling Orange and Co. Mm-hmm. So just like Selling Orange County and Company, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, short version. You can always, you know, all my contact information is on Facebook. You can reach out to me through Facebook, email, phone, Instagram, whatever yeah. you need. I'm always here. So. Awesome. I'm sure that we'll have uh, several people interested in real estate. And on top of that, being an entrepreneur, being able to figure out, or or maybe even they need a dog sitter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. Yeah. For sure. Right. Well, man, this has been another awesome episode of the Rule One Podcast. Yeah, man. Thank you again, Dylan. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Yeah, guys. Yes, sir. <laughs>